This morning we are beginning a new sermon series, and it's titled Wisdom Out of Proverbs. And for the first sermon in this series, we are going to look into chapter 1 in a few minutes, but it's choosing to live by God's wisdom. I want to begin by asking the question, and I have it on the PowerPoint, my life would be good if, fill in the blank, what would your life need to have include or removed, what would need to be removed for your life to be good? And we could spend a long time discussing and, and sharing about this stuff. So maybe we can ask ourselves, each one individually, is your life or is my life what God wants it to be? Is this thing, are the things that God wants me to have, do I have them? What would you put there? Is my life good the way it is? Am I content? Or is God content with me? Is God pleased? And we may ask the question different ways and say, what makes life good? This morning we want to explore what it means to live by God's wisdom. And it's a choice that we make. Living wisely is foundational to life. And in our sermon series, we will spend most of our time in the book of Proverbs. This morning before we read that first passage of Scripture, I want to make some comments before we dig in. You see, among all the billions of people in this world who live now, who have lived and may yet live, there are no two lives that are exactly the same. They may be identical twins, but their lives are somewhat different still. Their experiences are not the same. Each person's life on earth is unique and different, in some way at least. But the reality is, we don't have to have all of life's hard experiences by ourselves. We can learn from each other. It's a great thing that we can teach and that we can learn. There's no need for me to make the foolish decisions that others have made or for others to make the foolish decisions I have made because they can learn from me. Don't do as I did. Easily said, not as easily done. Someone once said that if he could sell his life's experiences for what they cost him, he'd have a lot of money. He'd be a rich man. It's a very telling statement about what he went through. When we look at humanity in general, it's amazing how few people are truly where they want to or need to be. Truly satisfied, fully content. One of the big deals in our world today is the whole concept of success means different things to different people. But that's a side issue. What does it mean to God? That's the big question. The reality is this, according to the teachings of Jesus, we can be successful in the worldly realm, whether it's politics or money or fame or health or what have you. We can be successful in all these areas, and we can be still fools. Totally void of wisdom. And there are many people who, in the biggest sense, fail miserably. Oh, they may have a lot of stuff and be widely known, a lot of political power and all kinds of things. And yet they fail because Jesus says, what, profit, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? If we lose that, then everything is for naught. I summarize it briefly in two sentences that I want, to, want you to read with, go, uh, with me as I read these. 
Often it is lack of knowledge and wisdom in the journey of life that leaves people living crushed and defeated. And you might argue, well, what if I don't have access to knowledge? We'll get there yet. And next, if people have knowledge and use that knowledge to live by God's wisdom, is then that things change and they can live with joy and victory for God's glory. And I might add, the change is not so much external as it is internal. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Life for a follower of Jesus as a whole can be either great, special, and a memorable journey leading to a joyful finish, like the Apostle Paul talks about in the end of his life, he's finished the race, he's kept the faith, or it can lead to misery and a very inglorious end. The aim in life is to live wisely for a Christian, to create good experiences for one's own benefit and a benefit of those who are around us. This topic of wisdom is far too big and far too broad and far too deep for any one human being to learn all there is about wise living. The beauty is we do not have to do all the learning and all the experiencing ourselves. We can glean from the hard work of others, and that's where the Bible comes in so handy. We can learn from history, the decisions others have made, from those who have gone on before. Scripture's full of it. People who early in life, who in their youth, make it their mission to look for knowledge, to look for wise role models, to follow good examples. They're far ahead in the journey of life toward life of meaning and purpose. The value of the difference of one who receives knowledge compared to one who rejects it is incalculable. But wise living is is a decision, it's a choice we make. And the Bible teaches us that every one of us, in the end, will be held responsible for what we've done with the knowledge we have been given. It's simply this. If a person receives a word of advice, that's knowledge. If the person decides to act on that word of advice, that's wisdom. Very simple. But it's extremely hard because we are so undisciplined as human beings. We have this tendency in us, we want what we want, when we want it, the way we want it, and I want it now. Or or the other way, nobody better tell me what to do. One writer I read this last week put it this way, he said, Wisdom is a rich concept, not easily summarized. It is a practical knowledge that helps one know how to act and how to speak in different situations. Wisdom entails the ability to avoid problems and skill to handle problems when they present themselves. Wisdom also includes the ability to interpret other people's speech and writing in order to react correctly to what they're saying to us. When we live wisely, we do it for ourselves, but not only ourselves, also for those around us, for our children and our grandchildren, to those who come after us. We must learn to find good advice and then learn to follow it. Before we read our scripture passage, I want to read one more comment. If you were someone else, living 50 years into the future, and you would then read the history of you as you're living now, what would you say? Would you say the current you is living wisely as you're living now? The you that you're now, is that you a wise person? Let's bring this a little bit closer. Imagine your grandchildren. Are you living now as you hope they one day will live? Do you want your grandchildren, children and grandchildren, to take you as their role model? Would you want your children now make the same choices you have made or are making? What will your history be talked? How will your history be talked about when you're gone? It's a choice. 
It comes down to just simply cho choice of living. And wisdom is not the default position of our lives. Have you ever found a wise baby? They're not born wise. I don't care how beautiful your little child is. They're the most beautiful, adorable little baby, but they're not wise. Children are not born with a default wisdom setting. You can't program them. Okay, that's a wise child. When they're born as little babies, they're not wise. They quickly learn all the tricks in the, of, the, of childhood, how to manipulate mom and dad and how to get what they want, or at least try. It's up to the parent to be wise and to give the child the training and teaching the child needs so the child has a chance to act on knowledge. Some parents, unfortunately, don't even do that. Proverbs 22, verse 15 writes, the, proverb, the writer says this, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. There's a practical side to all of this. And looking at how our world operates, folly is not just in the hearts of children. It somehow gets stuck in pretty much the whole population of the world, it seems. It seems everywhere one looks, there's so much foolish living. How does one get rid of folly? It cannot be so much removed as replaced. You can't scoop up darkness into a bucket and carry it out of a dark room. You just turn on the light and darkness leaves. Filling one's life with knowledge and good training equips a person to then make good decisions and act on them. It takes discipline, hard work, self-denial, mostly things our world doesn't think we need or should strive for. It starts in the heart and in the mind. What we allow our hearts and minds to feed on, occupy themselves with, that will really influence us. Foolish thinking leads to bad decision-making, to bad experiences. The writer of our text this morning, before we read what he wrote, we want to just make a few comments about him. His name is Solomon. Our sermon series for the next number of weeks will focus on him, what he wrote. As I mentioned before, for the most part, we'll be spending our time in the book of Proverbs, and before we read it this morning, just look a bit into his life. Commentators say that Solomon is considered the author of all the, of Proverbs, but they also say that he didn't necessarily write each and every one of them. So even though the book is credited to him as being the author, there are some Proverbs that were written by others as well. But he's the writer of Proverbs as such. But that does not mean that he only did wise things. During his younger days as a king of Israel, he was a very wise man. When Solomon became king, God appeared to him in a dream and asked him what he wanted. And Solomon asked God for wisdom. He didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for power. And God said, because you've asked for wisdom, I'll give you wisdom. But on top of that, I will give you money and power as well. God was pleased with Solomon's request. He was so pleased that God blessed him in every which way. And for the most part, for a great part rather, Solomon ruled very well. During his time, the nation had peace. And it was during Solomon's time that the temple was built under his leadership. Magnificent building it was. But Solomon did not stay that way. In fact, he allowed temptation and power to cloud his judgment. And then we find he went downhill. And there's a decline that happened in Solomon's life. He stayed rich, he stayed powerful toward the end, but not necessarily wise. He let that slip away. In 1 Kings 11, in case you're wondering where that's to be found. I don't have it in my notes here, in my, my PowerPoints, but Solomon, Solomon became a, uh, under, came under God's wrath in 1 Kings 11, and he suffered for it. You see, just because a person is wise at some point in life does not mean they can kind of let down their guard and just, just let things coast and as if it's a one-time only deal and you're good forever. No, it's something you have to continue doing. The writer of the Hebrews mentions that we're supposed to run with perseverance the race set before us. 
The temptation is to, to relax, to let down our guard, and to just let it go. If you watch animal uh, videos in the, the wild, you see that it's the animals that let down their guard that get eaten, that get caught and eaten. Solomon let down his guard, he suffered loss, and did not leave the legacy that his father David left. He made foolish choices. Let's begin reading Proverbs 1, beginning verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let's stop there. He tells the reader why he's writing. If you read Proverbs, one thing you will know, it's pretty much written in, in, a, in a way that the, it's for the reader himself who's reading. It's not, it's not for us to read for the other person. It's for us to take personally. Too often when people read something, they go like, yeah, ah, I should give this to so-and-so to read. So-and-so should read this. So-and-so, should, so-and-so really needs this. Maybe true. But that's not why we should be reading it. We should read this for ourselves as individuals, as families, as couples, as a church. And it may be true that so-and-so really needs to read this and learn from this, but I need to read this and learn from this. I can't just read it. I hope so-and-so is listening. I hope so-and-so is watching. I'm reminded of this comedian. She's a lady named Shonda Pierce. Some of you know her. She was one day telling a story of how she wanted to get healthier and so on and and get more and more fit, fitness, and so she started by turning on the screen, and there was this video, this lady on a workout session. She turned on the screen and uh, watched her, and then she grabbed the bag of chips, sat down on the couch, started munching and watching the video on the on TV, and said, go, go, girl, you go. She was watching for someone else. Why is it always the other person who needs to get their life in order? Why were always comparing, well, I may not make the best choice, but it's not bad compared to so-and-so. The purpose of writing Proverbs is to set the reader on the path to finding knowledge and wisdom. To set the person on the trajectory that the person will end up where God wants them to be. As we will see as we go through these passages and following sermons, we will see how vitally important it is we do not wait till we're old to do this. In fact, he talks about youth in this passage. I said at the start that no baby is born wise. But we need to start becoming wise early in life. At the end of verse 4, we see that it's even for young people to take and learn from this. The sooner a person begins, the better the chances that person has to live a life that God designed them to live. And in case you're in this church this morning and thinking, you know, I got lots of time, it's not for me, you're wrong. If you're here and understanding this, then it's for you and for us all. The whole idea of procrastination, well, I'll get to it once I've enjoyed life for a while. I'll make some bad choices first, some selfish choices first. Very bad thinking. What Solomon is doing here, he's setting the foundation for all of life. It's like if you get the foundation of life wrong, the whole course of life is wrong. The purpose here, he says, is to know, to understand, to receive, and to give. Pick those words out. And he explains that in more detail. Wisdom comes through received knowledge that's rightly applied to the circumstances and situations of life. It's where it all starts. The person who refuses that process, who refuses that part of life, they will pay a price. 
I'm not talking about book knowledge necessarily. It's good, but it's not where it's at. Some of the wisest people in the world can't read. They've been given some information. They have some knowledge. And they act very wisely with what they have. On the other hand, there's some very educated people. All kinds of letters behind their name. Very foolish. Making very bad decisions. Living by God's wisdom is about learning the intended lesson in life what God wants us to live. And it has to be received. Verse 3. To receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity. People do not on their own from birth and youth deal wisely or in righteousness. It's a character trait that's taught. And sometimes I think maybe the future generation will look with contempt or derision or anger and frustration at the generation of our time. You knew all this. You had the technology and the freedom and the liberty to to train us, and you didn't. I've had it happen in my own pastoral ministry where a person will, in front of me, a family, where a teenager will accuse the parents, why did you not teach me? Why did you not train me? Once they see it. We as parents are responsible. It does not mean that life will not be trouble-free, there will be no challenges, no difficulties, but it does mean there's purpose and direction for life. The worst thing in life is to come to the end of life and lament that life has been a failure. Because you cannot do it over. You only get one round, one pull of the trigger, one shot. That is it. And some people have opportunity after opportunity handed to them and they never take it. Knowledge is given time and time again and they consistently make the wrong moves. He says in verse 4, to give prudence to the simple and knowledge and discretion to youth. Proverbs are to be given with and wisdom in applicable, pragmatic, and doable ways. It's to help the simple, meaning those who do not have knowledge, who do not have life experience. Why let them make the mistakes? Train them and educate them. What we learn here is the goal is for wisdom to be the outworking of a received instruction and to all groups of people. In our day and age, we're fighting an uphill battle on many fronts. Not only are we failing to do it properly sometimes, we're being resisted when we try. As I'm thinking about the foolishness in our world today at all levels, if foolishness was water, it would make Noah's flood look small. If wisdom was money, the whole world would be broke. It seems broke anyway. There's a growing trend of foolish decision-making going on increasingly at all levels, it seems, in our culture. This should alarm us as Christians. More than ever, we need to take the Bible, read it, study it. What does God teach us? How are we supposed to live? Paul instructed the Ephesian believers to redeem the time, he said, because the days are evil. One might add, the days are not just evil. The times in which we live are foolish as well. There's an urgency here. Living by God's wisdom is not something we will do when we get to do it. It's an all-time, continuous, never-ending, can't-let-down-the-guard kind of thing. Some people think they may not need to learn it, but actually, all of us do. And in case someone might think, well, I've done it already for so long, and I've done so much of it, okay, it's it's enough for now. Well, there's never a letting down of the guard, not just that. It has to keep growing. Let's read verse 5. He says, let the wise hear. Who? The wise. And increase in learning. And the one who understands, obtain guidance. Okay, you've already been doing this. You're on that path. You're doing well. Keep growing. Don't stop. 
If the wise are to hear and increase in learning, there is no stopping on the journey. It's an urgent matter. It's a beautiful thing that God has ordained that people can learn, can decide to apply what they learn, and live accordingly. But the opportunities may not always be there. Lost opportunities to learn and gain wisdom should cause us great concern. As I said, we never graduate from this process. We'll be in learning mode for as long as we live. The school of wisdom has no graduation. You never finish. You always keep on learning. No matter how much you learn, no matter how much you do, it's always moving forward. Many years ago, I was a student at Steinbeck Bible College, and my wife's brother and her, her, his wife came from Texas to visit us, and I was, of course, happy to be in school learning, and, and so I toured, I gave my brother-in-law a tour of the college, and he had his little boys with him, and this youngest one was a, just out of kindergarten, and as I was touring the school, this little guy all of a sudden realized, hey, it was me, his uncle, who was in school there, and he says, I already graduated, and you're still going to school? He said that with a tone of such emphasis that he was just it was incredulous to him. What, what's his uncle doing in school when he already graduated? But you know something? That little boy said a whole lot more about himself at that moment than he was thinking, than he actually knew. And you know how often we do the same thing. We, you, we can excuse the little guy because he was ignorant. He didn't know. But you know what's sad? Some people grow up and become old men and women and still have that same perception about the Bible, about eternity, about God, and wisdom in general. That's tragic. Without wisdom, we're as good as lost. I don't know how to best describe it, but I find it very alarming and concerning that so much of the Western church is so complacent during these difficult times in our world. It is very tragic. I'm not here to defend this or that cause and things like that, but if we ever need wisdom in the West, we need it now. Verse 6, the Proverbs writer says, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. And if we don't understand it, how are we going to make choices, wise choices? For people who are believers, who've been walking with God for many years, it's always going to be a challenge. We never graduate, we never get out. But it can be a joyful journey, a rewarding journey. Let's go to verse 7, and this is where it all zeroes in on. This is the bottom line here. He says in verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. There, folks, there it is, the fear of the Lord. That's the core. That's the foundation. That's where it all centers on. In the search for meaning, for reality, for truth, when a person keeps on searching, there comes a time when if they're true and if they're sincere, this is where they end up. Without it, everything is empty and meaningless and void. It's a sad statement that fools despise wisdom and instruction, but it's so true in our time. I want to ask the question that I asked at the beginning. Is your life where you want it to be, where it should be? I know we're all in process. We're all journeying. John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come to the, that they may have life and have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. One thing Satan wants us to do is to remain ignorant, foolish, 
and simple and to just follow whatever whim of thinking is out there. More and more people are chasing and running after worldly wisdom, empty, hollow wisdom. There's nothing but foolishness in the eyes of God, and in the end it will lead to defeat. I want to again ask the question I said at the, at the beginning. My life would be good if. My life would be good if. If you're in a relationship with Jesus. That's all that matters in the end. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That's wisdom. The Apostle Paul was a young man, full of zest for life, doing, he was, thinking he was doing a good thing by persecuting the Christians, but very self-focused, proud, and arrogant in some ways. And yet when Christ met him, he surrendered, repented, became a preacher of the gospel, lost everything, helped many people to come to know Christ. One of the things he did was practice self-examination. It was a constant course correction for him. He was always working towards the goal, looking into God's word, reflecting on the holiness of God, the love of God, and the justice and judgment of God, what that meant for him. One of his writings in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, he says, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet this test? If you compare Paul with Solomon, who had the better ending? Solomon wrote magnificent scripture. He's in the Bible. Great man of God, but he made some bad moves. And just because we're wise now, perhaps, that doesn't mean we'll remain wise if we don't stay vigilant. And if we're not wise, then let's become wise. Solomon wrote Proverbs, but he did not finish well. Paul was a persecutor, but he repented became a disciple of Jesus, and look how he finished. He finished so well. May we all choose to live wisely for the glory of God and the benefit of ourselves and one another. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We're very aware that we're sinful people who need grace. According to the law, we deserve judgment, but by your mercy and grace, you've redeemed us. We thank you. May your grace continue to flow towards us as we seek to live for your glory. May our lives reflect godly wisdom. May we be the light and the salt that our world and our communities so desperately need. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.